All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. We've got Tom Schwab here from Goodbye Crutches, where we're going to talk about inbound marketing for e-commerce. And another topic that he kind of brought up was, are you chasing transactions or are you building a business? So Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about your business a little bit. So what's the background of Goodbye Crutches? Yeah, we started out in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We were just a regional um, business in Michigan here. And uh, our main product line was, was selling orthopedic implants to doctors. You know, the shoulders, the hips, the, the artificial knees. And we had a little sideline business because the doctors kept saying, help our patients stay off their healing foot. And so we were doing the, the knee scooters and crutch alternatives uh, before they really got more popular. And when the economy took a downturn, most of the manufacturers wanted to cut out the, uh, the distributors and, and save some money, which made a whole lot of sense. So you looked in the, uh, in the mirror and realized that we were the middleman. So we looked at this, this side business that we had uh, with Crutch Alternatives and said, we're getting so much good feedback on this locally in Michigan. Could we go ahead and expand that? So that's what we did, and that was about uh, five years ago. And with that, uh, you know, we went from a regional player to a national leader and really got, uh, used that to, to get partners overseas also. Uh, so uh, I, I can't say that there was a lot of um, strategic thought in it other than uh, we saw the opportunity to serve more people. Gotcha. So just to confirm like the landscape, so when you go to a doctor and you get crutches, how does that supply chain work in terms of when you say there's distributors, retailers, and like manufacturers? Because it seems kind of very opaque for like people, people that aren't in the medical field. Let me explain it this way. So most of the time, you know, you, you don't plan ahead uh, to be off your foot. Sometimes you do because of surgery and people can do that. But a lot of times it's just, uh, you know, you leave the, the emergency room or the doctor's office and they hand you this pair of archaic crutches and then you realize that, wow, I've got to stay off my foot for eight weeks, uh, but I can't still be a mom. I can't, uh, I can't be a dad. I can't work. So that qu- very quickly they start looking for alternatives. And most of the time they're, they're hard to find the alternatives. It's getting better now, but when it first started out, you know, people were just asking their doctor if he knew of anything better. Uh, they were going on and, and going to forums online. They would, uh, uh, you know, they're a, they're a captive audience. Uh, they're sitting at home and they, uh, they would look and start Googling for, for alternatives and options. And the other thing that was really interesting from the e-commerce business, if you're stuck at home, that's probably the easiest place to buy something. You know, it's not like that you can drive someplace and, and get it. So it was perfect for the e-commerce um, model there. It's great, great, great market to be in actually for e-commerce because there's no like store where you can just go shop for crutches too, right? I guess there may be a few, but if your foot's out, you just can't drive there and go check yeah, something. Yeah, and they're, they're getting to be more, but you look at those, most of those, uh, you know, or the, uh, they call them durable medical equipment stores, and they're open from, you know, uh, 9 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock at night, and you've, you know, like I said, if people can't drive there, they've got to ask a friend to go there, and it just becomes a real hassle, and the people are in a very delicate position there, um, you know, no matter how bad the recovery was that they thought it's probably worse. So with that, they're really looking for helpful ideas and helpful solutions. And that's what we try to focus on is, is not so much the product, uh, but helping them. Uh, you know, we had a customer that said that uh, uh, you got you to gotta remember everybody is selling preparation H, right? Nobody wants your product because all products or services are designed to fix a problem. 
And he said, nobody wants a problem. So, uh, but when you, when you have a problem, you want something that's, you know, recommended, gives relief fast, all the rest of that. Yeah, because unless your leg's out, you have no reason to go look for crutches. It's like one of the last things you'll look, be looking for. Right. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so I guess let's go back to the story a little bit. So you kind of shifted the focus into the side business and you kind of grew it. How did you kind of grow that business, you know, starting out when you decided what, to become like uh, we We went and, you know, we started um, uh, importing some of ours. We started to do a little bit of manufacturing, but mostly we were just going ahead and trying to to build the distribution on it. We saw that there was so much opportunity um, out there, and so you know um, there were so many ways that people were talking about you know different tricks to build the business. And you you'd listen to one expert, and they're like, "Oh, you got to do it with you know pay per click," and so we did that. You know, you've got to do it with you know SEO. Uh, so we did that, but uh, and I think it was Winston Churchill that said, you got to give it to Americans. They'll do the right thing after they've done the wrong thing. Uh, and I think that would make me a true-blooded uh, American because uh, all of the things that we did, you know, we grew our business great with AdWords, uh, but as I looked at it, it was chasing the transaction, not really building a business. I knew that I could go ahead and, you know, spend spend a dollar and make three dollars and that worked out really well but if I stopped spending that dollar my business would just would die another thing that I saw is that in any market um, you know it's gonna come to be more and more competitive you know it's a a true supply and demand curve on Google AdWords or any any uh, paid advertising right so uh, your your conversion rate is going to go down with time. Your cost of customer acquisition is going to go up with time. And even early on, I looked at that and and looked and said, okay, it's working right now, but I don't see how it's, this is going to work in 12 months or 24 months. Uh, so I looked at it and said, I've got to do something to build my business as opposed to just tra- chase transactions. So you're saying, you know, when you're running AdWords, you're seeing the bids go up over, over like a couple months and you're just like, at this trajectory, at some point, it's not going to work out, right? The numbers just aren't going to work. Exactly. And you look at it, any place where you're trying to buy attention, if you get in there early, you can get it cheap. You know, Facebook still is pretty cheap right now. There's questions if it works, but um, it's not going to be as cheap a year from now. Uh, you know, when, when Twitter, you know, has their paid ads, it'll probably be inexpensive from the beginning, but it, it will always go up. Uh, it's a true supply and demand curve. Tom, do you get a lot of repeat business or is it all pretty much a one-off? Someone gets injured and they want to buy something. You know, that's, that's an interesting question. And I say that we're probably the only business that doesn't want repeat customers, <laughs> right? Because one time on crutches or, or on one foot is enough for anybody in their lifetime. But what we do to try to, to increase the lifetime value of a customer is not to really treat them like a customer, but try to make them an advocate. Right, so when somebody is walking around and using one of our products, we want them to talk about good buy crutches, not necessarily the product. We want them to talk about the experience and what it's meant to them. And really, when you think about it, they're walking billboards for us, or or rolling billboards if they've got a knee scooter. They're the ones that are in there in the doctor's office every day, and they're they're telling the doctor about us. They're um, uh, telling other patients. Um, so we really build our business and build the lifetime value out of how many customers we can get 
how many new customers we can get from an existing customer. And one of the things we always do is um, we measure net promoter score. That's that question, you know, that, that we all get, you know, on a scale of zero to 10. How likely are you to recommend this company uh, to a friend or colleague? And we take that really seriously. Um, our score is, is up there in the, if you compared it to the top Fortune 500 companies, ours is way up there in the 80s. Um, and so that if somebody answers that and say, says that they'd be a promoter, then boy, we really tap into them and we go ahead and um, give them all the information and resources um, that they need so that they can go ahead and you know do what they said they wanted to do is promote us to friends and colleagues. Is it right to say that also when someone buys one of your products, they break their leg, they recover, and then like a year from now, a friend breaks their leg and they would tell them, hey, go with goodbye crutches because last time I did it, I used them and they were cool. Is that like a big kind of growth strategy you guys have or? Uh, it is, but I don't know if a year is the um, uh, the right time frame. Um, I'll be I'll be honest. You know, people are all into us for the uh, the eight weeks that they're recovering. They probably re- remember us for a couple months after that. But if you think about it, you, you move on in your life with something, and so I, I don't know if they would remember the name, the phone number, all the rest of that um, for the uh, for years. Uh, and we have some that that do that are still in our community and everything, uh, but uh, you know most of the time uh, that first what we see is the the first three to six months is where we get most of the referrals. So I guess in terms of your customer demographic, is there like an older demographic that just has to have crutches all the time versus like a temporary you know younger person that just needs it for like two to three months? You know, we really looked at that as as far as we call them uh, customer personas, and. We've got to make sure that we identify who it is and um, that we target them and segment them accordingly, right? So um, we've got one that's called Andy the Active Athlete. So he's that guy that's probably 20 to 35, guy or girl, uh, that hurt themselves doing something really fun. You know, uh, skiing, uh, snowboarding, you know, pulled their, pulled their Achilles tendon, uh, playing basketball, something like that. And then on the other side, we've got Jerry, the on-the-go grandparent. And that's the person that maybe is having bunion surgery, maybe fell down and broke something. And they're so different. They might use the same products, but if you show Andy, the active athlete, a picture of the product, with an old person on it, he will look at that and say, I would never get on that. That's something my grandmother would use. If I showed your grandmother a picture of that same product and you were on it, the first thing that she would say is, oh, no, I couldn't use that. I'd, I'd get hurt. I'd, I'd, I'd break something. Uh, I'd break my neck. So really, the, there's different motivations. You know, Andy, the active athlete, wants to get going, but he wants to look cool. Um, Jerry, the on-the-go grandparent, um, you know, want safety and stability. So what we do is we ask a lot of open-ended questions, and that's one of those great things with the the guides. Uh, if somebody downloads the Achilles guide, uh, most most older people don't rupture their Achilles. It's mostly younger people. So if you download that guide, um, what you'll start seeing in the pictures that we send you, the emails, uh, it'll be more younger people. You know, there's a guide that's. Um, uh, that says it's uh, the motivated mom's manual to doing it all on one foot. Well, if you download that guide, then you get segmented um, and identified as that 
buyer persona. So now all the emails that we send um, are focused on that. So we'll talk about you know problems moms would have. We'll we'll do helpful tips with that. Hey, here's some blogs that might be helpful, and we'll definitely make sure that all the pictures of the happy customers look like her. Yeah. So how many advertisers you start? Because I noticed your website now. If you go to goodbyecoaches.com and you think you go to guides, there's like 12 guides, and then each one is like a separate opt-in. And it was something really clever was that when you opt-in, you actually fill out a survey. Like I remember, like what's your biggest challenge, and then you guys get more info to kind of follow up with too. Yeah, it's uh, if you go to our homepage, you can see all four of our main um, avatars, and they actually scroll across down the front. So we've got Andy, the active athlete. We've got Mary, the motivated mom. Woody, the working dad, and then Jerry, the on-the-go grandparent. So there's really just, well, I guess there's a fifth one, which is more the healthcare provider um, that we focus on, and that's more of a B2B role. Uh, but we really just focus it down to uh, five basic personas. As far as the different guides, we've just started to do those over time and keep answering um, questions that people ask. Um, and it's a, a great way. We always ask open-ended questions because, um, you know, most marketers don't like to do that because it's, it's, it's hard to automate it. But boy, if you, if you ask somebody, what's your biggest struggle that our product could help you with? Boy, that's gold. You know, they just said, this is how I want to be sold to. And even with open-ended, um, questions like that, 80% of the people come up with the same 20, uh, complaints or 20% of the complaints. So uh, you can put them into buckets really quickly. And it's a great way to, to connect with people also. Yeah, so what do you guys do with those buckets after you say you have like 100 data points to kind of work through? Um, well, for each, you know, one of the great tragedies is that we, we talk about, you know, unique visitors, but then we treat them all the same. Uh, so what we try doing is get as much interaction with you early on. So we'll give you a free guide. Um, we'll give you helpful tips, something like that, to try to um, start the discussion and the engagement. And you can really do this with any product out there. Um, and, and with that, just start to segment them. So um, we're looking at each person, and once they go ahead and answer certain things uh, in the logic, the, the automation software, we use HubSpot. There's other ones that work out there too, um, and that'll go through and put them in a different workflow for what emails they get. Sometimes we'll even ask, you know, how fast do you need the product? Because ours is, is pretty time dependent. If you need it yesterday, next week, or next month, it makes a big difference in how fast the emails go out. Gotcha. And it helps your shipping department figure out what stuff needs to move faster and all that stuff too. Uh, exactly. I mean, if, if it's somebody that needs it right away, uh, boom, maybe we'll have somebody personally email them or you know suggest to them what we do in one of the auto follow-ups that they can call or you know chat us online. Somebody that needs it a month from now, you don't have to, to work with them you know, you don't have to be as aggressive with them. Yeah, so if we go back a little bit, how did you get into the whole inbound game? Because, you know, you sound like you're a little more experienced, older, kind of old school e-commerce guy. And most guys are kind of, you know, kind of still new to the internet. Like, how did you learn this on your own? Well, the, the funny part was is that as I'm going through my, um, my pay-per-click addiction 
and trying to figure out you know how I'm going to build the business as opposed to chasing a transaction. Um, I read a book by two smart guys from uh, MIT, and the name of the book is Inbound Marketing. And what they were saying, how the the world was changing made a whole lot of sense that people are using, you know, Google is a search engine to find answers. They're, they're listening to podcasts to get content. Um, they're not, they're looking for help in buying. They don't want to be sold. Um, and so with this, their thought was that the person that can, um, build the, the brand awareness and build the thought leadership and the trust uh, will be the one that wins. And that the way you would do that was being out there, being accessible, answering the questions that people had. Um, so I read that book and said, this makes a whole lot of sense. Um, talked with the, the company that was doing it. And at that time, about five years ago, nobody in e-commerce was doing it. Um, and at that time, the, the tool was very expensive also. So we looked at it and said, well, let's do a proof of concept. So we hacked it together with free tools or nearly free tools. You know, we used a WordPress site. We used MailChimp. Um, we used Google Analytics. And we just started putting out content out there, blogs, ebooks, um, downloads, and different offers. And we were just amazed, um, really within the first three months, at the traffic we got, the engagement we got, and that the customers that we got out of it. So at that point, we said, hey, we need to, to switch. So with that, we went and took our, our pay-per-click budget, which at that time was about three grand a month, uh, and we started to cut that down as we ramped up the inbound marketing. And we were largely off pay-per-click in about nine months. And when we started out, you know, we were buying about, oh, I don't know, 4,000 visitors a month, um, from paid traffic and almost all of our customers or all of our traffic came from paid traffic and within about three years we were up to 70,000 uh, unique organic visitors and the thing was is that those organic visitors were engaging better and converting better than the paid traffic ever was. Nice. So how did you do about the promotion when you first had the inbound content? Um, did you do like guest posts on other places or how, how was like the distribution strategy? The, the so, idea of if I post it they will come um, it's almost like the, the e-commerce one. Well, if I just put up a website, everybody will come to it. Just because you put a blog out there doesn't mean people will find it. And I think too often we spend time pro or producing more content instead of promoting and repurposing um, the stuff that we, we already have. Um, and if I was to do it again, I, I would do it differently and repurpose a lot more. So, for example, um, we're real big right now on, on trying to be on podcasts, uh, both for ourselves and some of our clients that we work with. So, you know, you take a podcast like this, you could go ahead, transcribe it, and so you take a 30-minute podcast, you could probably find enough content in there to, I don't know, do four or five blogs just by transcribing it. You could take a couple good quotes from there. Um, make some images on them and put them up in Pinterest or um, Instagram, other places like that. Because really what you need to do is make sure your content is out there where your customers are. You know, people say, well, you know, should I be on Snapchat? Well, are your customers on Snapchat? You know, um, should I be on Pinterest? Well, if your customer is on Pinterest, you should be. Or even looking at it and saying, what persona is on there? 
So we'll go ahead and for goodbye crutches, we'll put some of the Mary the Motivated Mom uh, stuff on Pinterest and maybe Jerry the on-the-go grandparent. But you know, it's, it tends to be more of a female-dominated uh, medium right there. Uh, so, Yeah, it's like if I'm selling Harley Davidson motorcycle parts, why would I go on Pinterest? <laughs> or, <laughs> Uh, it, it, exactly. Or, you know, if you're, if you're selling Boeing aircraft parts, that Pinterest, Pinterest will not work for you. But there's enough areas that you can, and especially if, um, if you figure out where your ideal customers are. It was funny, I was uh, talking with a friend about getting ready for, for talking with you here, and we were talking about things like leather wallets. Well, does anybody go online to, uh, to look and say, you know, where can I buy a leather wallet? Well, no, but they're always talking about, you know, dress for success, you know, um, you know, what should I, what should I give as a, as a wedding gift or to my, uh, to my groomsmen, you know, what, what's the, the best father's day gift to get? Well, those are all things that you can have that, uh, discussion with and really, um, help people help their answers. I mean, even on podcasts, there's a, a one out there that's called, um, the art of manliness and, it's a great guy's podcast, and you know uh, you could you could talk about wallets without talking about wallets. You know, talking about the things in, in details that that will make you stand out doesn't uh, uh, it doesn't make you look good on a date or a job interview or whatever. If you pull out uh, your wallet and you you have a couple hundred dollar bills there, but it looks like the same wallet that you uh, uh, you got when you were sixteen and you put your driver's license in. So with that, there's all. There, and I think. And the thing is, you know, women notice that stuff, man. The little details, they, they get that stuff that sometimes well, and that's we miss. <laughs> do, do, do I really want to buy a wallet? Mm, maybe, maybe not. But I tell you what, I want to impress uh, my girlfriend, my boss, whatever. That's the motivation there. It's once again that, you know, that, that preparation H. Uh, everybody just wants to solve their problem. Yeah, exactly. It boils down to like an identity and reflection of self thing. How, yes. like how people look at you in some ways you're, you're buying that you're not buying the wallet that's just a tool that helps exactly you, you have all these guides on your site i guess 12 books and you kind of use hubspot to automate them and after purchase do you need anything for like retention there or what is what kind of yeah really our buying cycle is is really fast right um you're not going to spend um four or five weeks Thinking about this purchase, if you need need something like ours, um, our our buying cycle is is very fast. So we can't nurture them nearly as much before the process or before the um, transaction as after. And with that, that's where we really um, uh, use a lot of the automation and really focus on turning that customer into an advocate. So with that, if you order something from us, uh, you know, of course, you get the the credit card. Um, email, uh, you get the the shipping confirmation, but even before it arrives on your on your own doorstep, you're going to get uh, an email that's got the instruction manual to it. It's got the video uh, because we want to make sure that they they know what they're doing, uh, and it cuts down on the the calls that we get on how to put something together or how something works. Uh, and also, uh, it, people are excited before they get it. So that happens before the, the unit even arrives. After the unit arrives, um, the next day they will go ahead and uh, uh, get an email that talks about, hey, here's some tips and tricks from other people uh, that you might find helpful. 
Uh, they'll get another one that's automated from our director of customer care um, that just says, hey, if there's you know anything we can do for you, please reach out to me or my team. So now they've gotten you know helpful, helpful, helpful. The next one's an ups uh, an upsell. We've got a different audience too. I mean, they're they're more captive, and we've um, we've tested this a lot. They open these emails. They open them. They take action on it. As time goes on, we do fewer and fewer emails, uh, but we invite them. We've got a, just an online community that they can go to and communicate with other um, other people in similar circumstances. Um, so we put all that together, and really, what we're trying to do is is keep our name um, and the thought of us in the front of their mind for that entire recovery period. Uh, and then, of course, at the at some point, we give them the the net promoter score survey to see if they're a promoter. And if they are, then they go into a separate workflow where we talk about different things. You know, I would never ask for somebody to uh, to give me a review online or leave a comment on Facebook or anything like that until I knew if they were a promoter or not. What does that survey look like? Um, what does the survey look like when you send it to them and say, hey, are you interested in being an advocate? That's something I kind of struggle with because I don't ever fill that kind of stuff out. Like I'm like, oh, that's more work for me. So how do you do it so you're able to get people to actually fill that survey out? Yeah, uh, we have quite a few people uh, fill out the survey. It's about sixty percent, wow. uh, which is which is great. But we don't take them to a separate page to fill out the survey, right? So it's a very nondescript, non-marketing email. Uh, it comes from a person to a person. So it comes, you know, it doesn't have logos on it and calls to actions and everything like that. Uh, it just comes out and it says uh, from our director of customer care. It says, uh, "Can I ask you one important question?" is the um, the subject line. And then it says, you know, may I ask you one important question? This is how we how we improve uh, to serve others better. And then it's, um, you know, how likely are you to recommend us to a friend or colleague? And it's the numbers zero through 10 there. Uh, if there's, if they give you a zero through six, it's referred to as a detractor. Those are the people that loathe you. Seven and eights, they don't care about you. And the nines and tens are promoters. So the way we've got it automated is that, okay, they get that email. And if they click on zero through six, it takes them to a landing page that, you know, says, we're sorry. You know, how can we help you? Seven and eights go to a different landing page. And then the nines and tens, which are promoters, they go to a different landing page. And we work that off of marketing automation. If they hit that landing page, they get marked as a, a promoter, a detractor, or neutral, and then they get put in different segments. So it's it's not a, a complicated system either for us or for the user. Um, you know, the reason I don't take most surveys is because they take forever to load and got to go to Mailchimp, and it just takes too long. This is all in an email. Yeah, it's, it's HTML, and it's uh, uh, you know the numbers zero through ten are just hyperlinked to the. Um, uh, the landing page. So it's it's as straightforward as you can get. It's interesting because I was talking about this to a friend the other day. When we're taking Ubers, you can choose one to five stars for your driver. But if you like have a bad experience, whether it's a one or a two, it's the same message pretty much, right? Whereas like zero to six, like how nice do I want to be or how mean do I want to be? Like a zero and a one is the same thing. Basically. People will say, well, how come it's zero through 10 and not zero through five? And even our customer service people have told us, an eight, that's sort of like they like us. I'm like, 
we can argue about the semantics on it. It's been studied and the statisticians have come out and said this is what it is. But I just, you know, um, I, I look at it from the standpoint of, you know, if you asked somebody that you were dating, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love me? If they don't give you a 9 or a 10, that's a bad, bad signal. Yeah, exactly. And then like a 6 is might as well be why bother, right? So Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even if someone gives you a 6, they're probably not that warm with your brand enough to like, you know, do something about it. So you might as well focus on the 9s or 10s. Well, yes and no, but the the zeros and sixes you can definitely work with because it's very, very easy to hate a company. It's hard to hate a person. And those zeros and sixes, um, if they just told you that they loathe you and you do nothing about it, you just got, went ahead and um, reinforced that. So our workflow goes that, you know, they get a, an email back from, from somebody in management that says, you know, um, we apologize for this. How can we make it right? We get uh, automated texts to somebody in management that says, hey, this person, you know, just was displeased with our service. You know, here's the product they got on this date. Uh, and here's their phone number. And we don't get uh, a lot of detractors. But when we do, we always go ahead and reach out to them. And it's amazing when, when somebody gives you, you know, a, a five or a six and well, even a one or a two, you know, and you call them up and you listen to them, you validate what they said, you try to make it right, you try to s solve the system so that we don't have that for other people in the future. Um, most of the time they come back and say, hey, could you send me that survey again? You know, I want to change that to a 10. So from that, from that standpoint, um, it. You you have to work on both ends of the the spectrum. Those seven and eights they really don't care about you, so uh, you're wasting your time trying to convert them. Gotcha, gotcha, cool, cool. So I guess let's kind of wrap up a little bit. So you have all these guides on your store. Like if someone's looking to kind of make their own content and have different funnels, like where do you even start? Because you know your operation is clearly very advanced now. And if you just have like one or two segments, where should someone kind of get started? This has been built over time. Now the first thing is to identify who your ideal customer is, and then just start answering their questions. And you can answer it in videos, um, on podcasts, on uh, blogs, really wherever they're getting their information. And after you go ahead and you know get six or seven blogs together on a certain theme, you could probably put those together and make an ebook out of it. It's the same content there. And then once somebody else starts asking another question, Think, oh, we could do an ebook on that. And just give yourself the goal of, you know, what we did is once a quarter we were going to come out with an ebook. And it was always clear what the next one was. I mean, we've got one that's, you know, uh, how to exercise on crutches. We got at that, or how to stay fit and, and not gain weight. We got asked that by so many people um, that it was like, okay, well, let's write, you know, four or five blogs about it. And then we'll go ahead and put those into an e-guide. So uh, I always say the, the best thing is just to answer the question. If, you, if your customers are asking questions, just answer it you know, as clearly as you can. Don't try to get cute and uh, great literature and everything like that. Just answer the question. Gotcha. So using blog posts as kind of like the test grounds to make the content, is that kind of safe to say? Or? Yes. And also, uh, like I said before, repurposing content. Uh, so if you, you tried the content out and the blog worked well, um, then go ahead and use it in other content there. And the other thing is that it, it's when you say an ebook, it can be intimidating. 
you know, how am I going to write a, you know, an eight-page ebook? Well, if you could write, you know, a 600-word blog, can you do that? Most people go, yeah, I think I could do that. Okay, well, you know, write five of those on a certain theme or topic, and then we'll put them all together in an ebook. So um, it, it's a natural way to do it. And even so, if, if you want to start with an ebook first, well, then go ahead and break that up into blog posts. We always need to repurpose content. You know, one of the things that you can do is the easiest way at the beginning, which, which one of these people are you most like? And put the, the four avatars up there. We did some testing and you know, everybody says, oh, just ask for their email address. When we went and put extra questions on, um, and granted, it was only a, you know, two extra questions or an open-ended questions, people were just as likely to fill that out. People like to talk about themselves. And especially if you can make it easy things that they can click, uh, it's, wor- it's worthwhile. So I always say test that. And uh, if they can self-select, that's the best way. Because uh, give you an example. There, there could be somebody that's um, you know, 50 years old, and I might look at them and say, um, they're Jerry the on-the-go grandparent. But if in their mind they're young and active, well, then I want to go ahead and, sh- and show them um, – give them content that has context to them yeah that was one thing i had an issue with because if you look at this podcast there's people that have stores and people that don't and by that nature the content should be really really different right so and then it was like well once people have stores the more advanced people want other stuff so it's like you got to segment this like if i had like a bucket of like ten thousand people i'd much rather have like you know really niche buckets of like a thousand each who i know exactly who they are rather than a big big bucket of like random people <laughs> so you just signed yourself up for five more podcasts ep- or five <laughs> five different shows right something like that yeah kind of but but you see what i mean right? if i had this general pool which i did have when i started out i just didn't know what to send to everyone because it was just this one list and then about like a year and i started segmenting and then now i have a better idea of like what's going on behind the scenes and i i, I love to um uh to ask people to self-segment you know if you just ask them like an email list what what do you want to get information about? Uh, what are you most interested about? They'll self-select right there. Uh, we worked with a, a nonprofit company that uh, um, you know didn't see themselves as e-commerce, but it was a classic e-commerce problem. They were they were selling um, like summer camps was the only thing they were selling off their website, but then they were giving donations too. And all they would ask was, you know, how much do you want to give? And we worked with them and said, well, why don't you ask them? what they want the money to go to. Because if they say children's programs or the zoo or the arboretum or elderly programs, well, and your newsletters where you keep asking for more money, if they wanted the money to go for the zoo, always send them pictures and stories about the zoo because they really don't care about the other stuff. And they were like, that's great. And they've seen the actual, um, their open rates gone um, up uh, on their emails and uh, their engagement has too. It's been too early to figure out if it means more money, but uh, it definitely seems like it's working. Awesome. All right, then. Well, thanks, Tom, for joining us on the show. Well, actually, well, where can we find you online? Probably the best place to find me um, online is just at tmschwab.com. Uh, that's where you'll see uh, all the resources there. And I'll also go ahead and, and share the link with um, with you guys. And if you want to put it in the show notes, uh, it's there. Uh, but uh, once you fill out one form on my site, uh, I don't hide everything behind forms on that site. So if you fill out one form, you get open access to all the free resources. And uh, there's kinds of, there's all kinds of stuff there for uh, the Net Promoter Score 
I've got a video that uh, of a presentation I did that explains it and explains how to set up that workflow. So uh, if that uh, was interest of to you or any content ideas, just head over to TM Schwab and there's a lot of free stuff there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to swipe that survey promoter file you have there and build it into my uh, confirmation emails and stuff like that. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Travis, anything from you before we wrap up? No, that up sounds or? great. I agree with you. I'm going to have to try to get more brand advocates on my side. Yeah. All right, then. Well, Tom, thanks again for joining us, and I'll let you know when this goes live, uh, probably on Sunday, too. So, And we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks, guys.